This is episode number two sixty three. How far are you willing to go with Mike C Rock Soraka? Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. First one being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming weekly conversation that takes place every single Friday at 10.45 a.m. Central Time, hosted through Facebook or LinkedIn Live, called Survive to Thrive, Live the Story You Create. What this is, is a series of conversations where we explore the connection between our personal narratives as well as the topics of appreciation, grief, resilience, gratitude, and many other topics. If this is of interest to you, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today, where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding the upcoming conversation. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our work, and that is if our work has had any form of impact in your life or helped you see your world through a different lens, please consider supporting our mission by making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today so we can continue inspiring and impacting millions of people around the world. Now, let's get back to the show. Mike, welcome to the show. Oleg, thanks for having me, man. I start every show with gratitude because it means so much to me. I start my day with that, and I just want to thank you and the listeners for showing up. Um, Appreciate it, man. Uh, I appreciate you. Why is gratitude important to you? before we get into the episode. Yeah. I mean, everything uh, eliminates the, everything to complain about, you know, it's so easy to wake up in the morning and uh, you know, on a rainy day or on a Monday and be like, Oh man, I got to get up or, or have a day full of things you got to deal with and be like, Oh man, I got to do this. But uh, when you start the day with but thanking whoever to me, God, uh, thanking God for, for everything that you've been given your health. You know, I literally wiggle my fingers and toes and, like pay attention to my arms and hands and legs. Like you, most people don't even pay attention and even look at their arm or, or throughout the day, unless they have a pain or something wrong with it. So I, I really very conscious to everything that I have and that I've been blessed with. Um, and I just want to like give thanks for that. And then it eliminates everything to complain about. And, and I notice a difference in my mood, my productivity and um, you know, the way I attack things. Mm-hmm. I can relate to much of it. I think for me, one of the things that I've realized about my own journey is that there's so many things throughout my day to day that I take for granted without a doubt. In fact, yesterday I was having a conversation with an individual and we were talking about how impactful the brain is on the body and just the whole human experience. And one of the things that I had asked him was about that myth, whether or not we use 10% of our brain. And one of the things that according to his perspective, he had shared is that that's not ultimately the case. We use many different aspects of our brain. And the one thing that I found fascinating from that conversation is there's certain parts of the brain that you may not use for a good reason. Imagine if you were always aware of your blood pressure, 
imagine if you were always aware of how much oxygen you're taking in and taking out. That would be a pretty anxious experience. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for, I for many yeah. people, <laughs> you don't think or if you're taking way. enough water, you know, or if you're, there's a lack of water, like there's so many different things that contribute to the day to day where I find fascinating doing, as you described, taking a step back and putting myself in that position where, okay, here are the things that I'm aware of. Now there are hundreds of other things that I'm sure I'm not aware of as far as how the cycle of life works. But at the same time, it's the small things, as you mentioned, looking at my arm and appreciating it before it experiences any pain, which causes a series of other events moving forward. So it's, it's fascinating how life works. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know any different now. It's like a habit for me. It's a good habit. Right. And, you know, paying attention to these things has lowered anxiety levels for people. I've experienced that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know any, anything else to say except that it works. And so I speak from experience. I don't try to preach to people about it. I just practice it and be a role model with it and influence people with it. And, you know, if they can take that and use it, great. That's awesome. Well, I know that you and I wanted to, prior to the episode, we wanted to talk about this concept of limitations. And one of the things that I wanted to personally discuss based on your own personal experience and the things that you've been through in your life is how do you even understand limitations to begin with? What are they? And do you believe in the concept that you are quote unquote unlimited or are you limited due to your experience? Yeah. So I guess there's a, there's a, what you would call a, an acute limitation and a chronic limitation. Acute being for a short period of time, you're limited and chronic meaning for over long periods of time or indefinite, right? And so when I look at limitations, first of all, physically, we're all limited to at some point or capacity. We don't know what those limits are though. Um, and, you know, so for me, I always look at see how far can I push the limits and, you know, how can I find out where my potential lies? And if you're not striving for that constantly, you're robbing yourself of an opportunity for yourself and possibly to help others and serve others. So to me, I think that we would be naive. You know, I'm, I'm a believer in a higher power and God. And I, I think that we'd be naive to think that an all-powerful God, omnipotent God would put us here on this planet um, with the limitations that we think we have, with, the, with the, uh, the, the abilities that we think that we're stuck with, you know? And so- I'm, I'm just always striving to see how far I can take things. Where's my potential lie? It's like climbing up a mountain and not knowing where the top is because there's a layer of clouds and I got to keep going anyway until I figure it out, how, you know, get through these clouds and poke my head through just to see how far I can go. And especially uh, spiritually and, and uh, intellectually with our minds, and man, the, the possibilities are endless. And a lot of times people are going off of precedence which is things that have happened in the past via the experience by yourself or other people, or they're going off of comparison to other people or themselves. And uh, I think we need to start really looking at principle and, and the fact of, you know, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a way to do something that's big. There's gotta be a way to do something more. And if we're all constantly striving for that, um, one, the world would be a lot better place, but there'd be so many more advancements. You can think of this Oleg as uh you know, I don't know how many years ago there wasn't a cell phone, right? 
you know, and if people weren't striving for more and thinking there's got to be a better way to communicate, there's got to be a way to get quicker communication. There's got to be a way to do a video call and see each other. There's got to be a way, right? That started in the mind as a thought and somebody acted upon it and made it real. And so I look at those kind of things and I'm thinking, okay, well, if somebody created a laptop, somebody created Zoom so we can sit here and do a podcast and talk to each other. I know that if I have a thought on something and I just have to act, I don't need to know how, but I just need to think of it, write it down and start obsessing about it. Start taking actions towards it. Start talking and communicating to people about it. You will find a way to achieve it. So that's the way I look at those things and limitations. Um, there are definitely limitations at all times, but once you get experience, once you get knowledge, uh, once you get some mentorship and start taking action, those limits start to rise, the ceilings start to rise, and so does your floor because you don't usually go backwards. Once you achieve something, your standards are risen, they're elevated, and you don't usually go back. Mm -hmm. When did this make sense to you? When did this concept that there are limitations that you set upon yourself and then there are limitations that other people set upon you was there a specific conversation, a book? I, I know for me, my experience was that I read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that's all I'm going to say. That <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's all you need to say, right? Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely things that you look at Think and Grow Rich. Uh, the stories that are in that book definitely make you think about that. And that's something that for me, before I got into Think and Grow Rich, you know, I started hanging out with people that are achieving big things. I started looking for people that are doing things that I wanted to do and started uh, immersing myself in their content, hanging out with them, um, investing in their products. And again, then I, I read Think and Grow Rich as well. And I started realizing like my thoughts are coming to me in order for me to act upon them. And when you do that, it becomes real. And the only thing like, here's an example. And I'll answer your question in a second, specifically who, but I was driving down the road the other day and I'm looking at all the buildings and the different architecture. And I thought to myself, what I'm looking at is actually somebody's thoughts inside their head. Or maybe it's not inside their head. The brain works inside the head, but the thoughts are wherever. But I'm looking at somebody's thoughts. I'm looking into their mind because the buildings weren't created before somebody thought about them. And then you see the different architecture and then you see really bad architecture, what you might think is bad, just out of taste. And you're like, wow, that's what's in that person's mind. And then you see something really beautiful and you're like, wow, that is a beautiful mind. But that's what you can do. You like, you really look outside and look around and that's besides the, the plants and the trees and things like that. But any man-made object that started as a thought and you're looking into people's minds. So what happened to me was I started hanging out and listening to Grant Cardone. Um, it's where it started. I read the 10X rule and I started thinking, wow, man, I mean, there's a better way to do things. There's a bigger way to do things. And I started thinking. And when you start to read and start to think after that and you start to act after that, things start to develop. And before you know it, it's just like a big snowball. You think it just starts growing. And that's what set it all for me about three years ago, four years ago. And what I did was I started to set targets for myself and my team to start achieving. And when I did that, I'd, we'd hit them. And then I'm like, well, we hit that. Why didn't we think bigger? And so I realized that my whole life, I've been playing too small of a game. And no matter where anybody is, no matter what they've achieved, everybody can play a bigger game. The more you start to achieve and take on and realize that, wait, wait I can handle this. The more you realize and get confidence that you can do more. And so that's what's happened to me. And that's what I encourage other people to do. Now, one thing I will tell you, uh, you, you don't need to know the how to commit to something. 
or to have an idea of something. Because if you're always waiting for the how, you're never going to do anything. And that's where people get hung up. They're like, well, I wouldn't know how to do that. How would you do that anyway? And then they just stop their idea. So one of the things that I've put together recently is a new product that's coming out. It's called Blueprinted. And it answers the question, how? Uh, this, this, this product basically is going to have people that have had success in any industry or vertical. And it's going to have their blueprints to success in it that people can purchase. Step-by-step guides, not just a video digital training, because those don't work. Uh, they're not as effective as they should be. Uh, but it basically gives you step one, step two, step three, all the way through, shows you the big picture of what you need to do to accomplish something. And so it's only going to be for things that people have accomplished before. So it doesn't help you with the new things in life where you come up with an idea and you don't know how nobody's ever done it before, but it allows you to do that and also create your blueprint as you're going through something brand new and put it in there and share it with the world and monetize it. Um, so that's something that I'm working on based on what I just told you of how I started thinking I got to play a bigger game. There's got to be a better way. And that's what I'm always telling myself. A couple of things that I can relate to as you shared. The first concept is a friend of mine shared a similar thing. She said that you don't need to know the whole how. You just need to know where to start. That was a pretty groundbreaking and mind-blowing idea for me when I, when I first heard about it because there were so many different chapters of my life where I did focus on the how. I, I'm a big picture person. I love to think. The challenge of thinking is that sometimes I find myself overthinking. The challenge of overthinking is sometimes I talk myself out of action because I want to know every single possible step of things that haven't happened just yet. And it wasn't until recently, I think, where I went through a similar discovery of my own, getting connected to people who think alike, and then being exposed to literature, whether it was Think and Grow Rich, The Alchemist, or the most recent book that I'm reading called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Sainer, where he essentially talks about a similar concept that you described. How do I surrender to the experience without being, quote unquote, married to the outcome, or so attached to the outcome that I actually miss the experience itself? And so I'm curious to hear from your lens, when you first started this, however many years ago by now, what ultimately inspired that? I, I know that you, you spoke a little bit about playing small, but what was that inspiration behind your vision to want to be the person that you are today? Well, look, it goes back years. I mean, I, I grew up in a broken home. I don't remember my parents together. And, you know, I was around a lot of broken-minded people, broken people, suicide, drug addicts, alcoholics, uh, mentally, you know, mental, mental issues, uh, you know, and, and I just, uh, I was always around that, but I was never okay with it. I was never okay with the reasons people were telling me that they were doing it. They bought the stuff, but I didn't want to buy it. And, you know, when I was about eight years old, my mom decided to move on to her third marriage and I didn't want to move into another man's house, learn another man's rules. So I said, you know what, let me give my dad's house a try. And I went to my dad's house and moved in when I was eight and he had just moved in. I'm sorry, just got married to his second wife. And when he did that, I thought, okay, let me try this out. And I was there for three years. And during that three years, Oleg, it was a very abusive situation. Um, there was some conflict going on with my step-parents and my mom and dad, like something going on, right? I don't know the whole story. And it's not for me to know as a kid. But when parents act like more like childs or children and then adults, it gets taken out on the children. And I was 
had a lot of things taken out on me and had things said to me and done to me that I shouldn't have had as a kid. You know, I used to sleep with my baseball bat when I was nine years old because I've, of the things I was hearing and seeing. And so for a period of time, I thought that was normal. I thought this is the way life is. I started going to friends' houses and seeing their parents weren't like that. They actually had happy households. And I was like, wow, man, this is, this is what I'm going through is not the ideal situation and I need to get out of this. So I told my mom what was going on. And she basically said that uh, there's no way I should be living in that. Um, it, it broke her heart in the first place that I left in the first place, but she wanted to give me the opportunity. Um, and she had no idea that that would happen, right? So she said she would file court papers to get me out of there. And if she did, I had to stick to my guns because if she did that, she didn't want to be hung, left hung out to dry. And because she said, look, people are going to try to talk you out of things when you believe in things, especially this, that when you go and these papers get delivered to your dad, they're going to try to talk you out of it to match their own agenda or in life when you're doing good and advancing, people feel threatened. They're going to try to pull you back. Anytime somebody's moving too fast, according to the, 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 the crowd, the crowd tries to pull them back. If somebody's moving too slow because they're meticulous, the crowd will try to pull them faster. Anytime somebody falls out of the, the crowd, they, they try to get pulled one way or the other. And you got to be conscious of that. So my mom was giving me this lesson when I was 11. I don't know if she knew exactly what she was doing for me, but I just became aware of that. I need to stick to my guns when I believe in something, be willing to listen and learn and all that, but, but, but stick to your guns, be, be stubborn, right. On good things now. So my dad eventually got served these papers after weeks and weeks went by. I didn't know that when they were coming. And when I came home from school one day, uh, the tension in the house was like so thick. You knew something was up, something. I, I just knew it. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. And I saw my dad had these papers in his hand and he said, go to your room. Now, my dad was my hero. Uh, you know, he had a masonry business, brick, block, concrete, poor concrete and all that. He had these real big, thick forearms and rough hands. You know, he was a hard worker. And I always looked up to him for that. And, you know, if you know anything about Italians and construction, they don't usually carry a wallet. They carry a wad of money with a rubber band around it. And uh, my dad always used to carry this wad of $100 bills and he used to show them to me. And I thought that was the coolest thing as a kid. But when he came back to confirm that I wanted to leave his house, he said, you know, it says here you want to move back in with your mom. And I just can't comprehend this because you have everything you need here. I guess he was in denial of the abuse that was going on. He said, your mom doesn't have money. They're broke. They're poor. She's got men running in and out of the house. She's married to her third husband now. You don't need to go back to that. Why do you want to do that? And I just shut him off and said, look, I, I made my mind up. I'm sticking to my guns. He said, okay, if that's the case. He takes that wad of $100 bills out. He peeled one off and crumpled it up and threw it at me. I said, well, you're going to need this then when you're living on the streets with your mother. So that lit a spark in me at a young age, at 11 years old, that subconsciously I was dealing with for 30 some years where I would never, ever, ever let up. I would always go hard. I would try to be the most valuable, most the best at everything I try to do. School, work, sports, it didn't matter. I was trying to prove my dad wrong. And at some point in my life, I started trying to, I guess it was about 2017, not too, far, not too long ago. I was going through a little dark time in business, right? We're dealing with some conflicts and some hurdles. And I started looking back on my life and thinking, why am I keeping elevating no matter what happens to me? There's something going on here that I need to figure out because if I can bottle it, it'll be very valuable and I can share it with other people. And what I found was, in looking back, was I was taking everything that would come my way that would stop a normal person or slow them down, and I was storing it in my tank, my fuel tank, instead of my trunk where most people keep it, 
And that's where it weighs you down, slows you down, stops you. I was storing it in that tank and converting it into rocket fuel for my future, which made me unstoppable at anything I went after. All I had to do was think about it, commit to it, and then be consistent in going after it. And so that rocket fuel law is what I call it. Led me to writing the book, Rocket Fuel, by the way, that's available on Amazon. And it led me to be able to do things that I want to do and have the ideal life that I want to live and be unstoppable towards it and then share that and be a role model to other people. And one last thing I'll add to this is that after writing the book, I realized that eventually your engine gets so refined from the stuff, the experiences that you're going through, the mentorships, the knowledge that you're picking up, that at some point your, your, your engine is so refined that you can't operate on that old, dirty toxicity setbacks and all the bad stuff in the past. You use that stuff to a point, but eventually it's just so toxic and dirty that eventually you need to find a new fuel for your refined engine. Like you, if you have a, a Ford engine, Ford Tempo or, or Ford Focus compared to a Ferrari or Lamborghini engine, you need a different types of fuel. That new fuel, eventually that, that line of demarcation that you cross over, that new fuel is the things that you set out for, your targets, your ideal life, your goals. And that stuff starts pulling you forward. And it's a very, very clean, high-powered, high-test fuel, which is another source of rocket fuel, uh, that you, you start to use at some point. Because you can only talk about limitations. You can only get so far on the past setbacks. You can only get so far using that as fuel. Eventually, you need a cleaner source. And that's the thing that I've been talking about recently more is that I'm noticing now that I need that rather than the old stuff. How do you view your dad today? Well, I don't see my dad. It's not up to me. Um, uh, my stepmother has, has caused an issue that um, my dad doesn't respond to calls or texts or anything. And um, it is what it is. Now, I don't hold grudges or resentment or anything. I just, if I saw him today, I'd it'd be just like old times. Hey, how you doing? And I would just, just handle it like I'm like nothing's no, no big deal. But I, I don't have that opportunity right now. Um, and I just want to teach other people about this. And I don't want to repeat the pattern. I want to make sure my kids have the father that they deserve. That's there to lift them up, encourage them, be there for them, but also teach them the ropes and not give everything to them, but make them work for things. So yeah, that's where we stand now. By the way, my stepfather that I, uh, my, I moved into when I was 11. That was my mom's third husband. His name was George. He passed away in January of 2019, suddenly of a heart attack. But he was a great great father. You know, he taught us right from wrong, taught us respect, taught us how to teach ladies, not teach ladies, how to treat ladies um, and teach them. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I mean, he was a great guy and, and uh, a great mentor to me uh, ended up being. So luckily I had that in my life that kept me on a straight and narrow during a, a very impressionable time in my life. And so I had that until I was uh, what, 40 something. And when he passed away, that's kind of when this, this mission that I'm on started, it really fired me up because I realized that, you know what, life is short and it's time for me to take what I've learned, the passion that he had. He had a passion that you just wouldn't believe. If you got talking about fishing, hunting, baseball, football, anything that he's really passionate about, he would jump off the couch and get, get all animated <laughs> with a deep voice. Some people would be like, like whoa, dude. And I, I got that passion now from him. And that passion has energized me into spreading this message of rocket fuel all over the world and then starting to make an impact with, you know, like I said, I'm getting into tech and starting to figure out ways that people can become unstoppable and live in the life that they deserve. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that passion has a limitation? 
Uh, no, I mean, it, 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 it goes back to having the limitation that you set upon it. Um, passion is something that you need uh, to move faster, to go farther, uh, to get you through tough times and s- things that happen like s- adversities. So no, I mean, I, I, but I don't know like what, what context you'd be talking about that it would have limitations. Um, it's kind of, to me, it's a, it's a tool. Well, I'll give you an example. I think when I was first starting this business, however many years ago, what I realized is that part of running the business and part of having passion behind it, even though I was passionate when I first started and I, and I still able to have similar levels or layers of that passion today, I've realized that there were points within the journey where the passion simply wasn't enough to get to the next step where there were other skills and other tools that had to be introduced. I I think, I don't know what the relationship between, for example, consistency and passion is. Yeah, no, no, I get you. So So like all these other factors that I found that contributed to it. And so what I've realized, at least in my experience, is that passion was enough to get started, but to actually build a, as the things that you experience, a team, in, in engine, so to speak, that works and can work with or without you. I think there's a lot more that I had to learn along the oh, way. Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. That. So it's a, it's a tool or an ingredient to success. Okay. So yeah. If you just have passion by itself is what you're asking there. Absolutely. So if you look at the definition of passion, strong and barely controllable emotion. All right. So barely controllable. <laughs> yeah. And it's a feeling of intense enthusiasm towards or compelling desire for someone or something. It can range from eager interest in or admiration for an idea, proposal, or cause. So, so basically what it does is that all the things you're talking about, the tactics, the strategies, the people, the team building, the core value, uh, you know, the culture building, all that stuff needs passion. But you're not going to do all that stuff if you don't have a high level of passion. So, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that it has a limitation. I would just say that understanding that it is a tool, it's a it's an ingredient that goes into success. Mm-hmm. I want to take a, a quick step back to the concept of fatherhood, maybe a slight tangent, maybe not from the initial conversation, but based on what you've learned from all of the di- different father figures in your life, where do you see yourself? I'm assuming that you're a father. Yeah, I have right? two kids. Yep. Okay. Where do you see yourself as far as areas go? Areas to improve in as a dad? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I'm I'm very very not hard on my kids physically, but hard on my kids to keep up a standard because I believe, and you know, I have coach in me, right? So there's got to be some kind of separation between being a father and a coach. Um, but I believe in low tolerance equals high performance and high tolerance leads to low performance in life, in sports and business. And so I'm trying to teach my kids that message, but also understanding, not just telling them something has to be done, but understanding why it has to be done. And that's the area that I think in my life that I've been working on the hardest is really focusing on having patience and giving people an understanding of something. I'll give you an example. In life, people will, at churches, for example, church will say, you need to have faith. You gotta have faith. 
Well, the fact of the matter is people have faith. They have belief already. Everybody has it. It's what do you have faith and belief in? So when people make comments, and this is like something if I'm telling my kids, like you got to clean your room, got to clean your room. Well, they don't know why they need to clean the room. They don't have an understanding of why it's important. They're not going to necessarily listen and do it. So understanding, being patient and not just saying, hey, do this. And if you don't do this, you're in trouble, right? To do this. And here's why you need to do it. Because if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. And if you do do this, this is the good that comes from it. And painting the picture and helping them understand. So back into the faith or the belief thing. If people say faith, the belief, you got to have faith, the belief. Well, people are thinking like, I already, I already have faith. I have beliefs. So they're, they get confused. And when confusion arises, there's chaos and emotions, bad emotions. And so with me, I think the, the, the thing I've been working on the most is patience and more of helping people or not people, the kids understand why I'm telling them to do something and, and painting the picture for them. What is that line between a coach and a dad? So I think sometimes if it's, you know, if you're talking about a coach, a coach is someone that is guiding somebody and helping them find the answers and helping them with accountability. And a, a father is more of a teacher and more of a empathizer and love giving and guidance giving. And so like, you know, to me, being a father is when the kids mess up or they're upset, giving them a hug, lending them an ear to just you know, share with. And then, you know, the coach is the one that gets them back on track and asks them the questions so that they can, you know, leads them to the answers to what's going to help them get through things in life. Mm -hmm. How did being a dad change your life? Uh, you know, I think that one, it gave me more purpose uh, for achieving more than just getting by. Uh, you know, the other thing for me is, is that I wake up every day understanding that I have a, a big, big, huge, serious responsibility to be the best that I can be for them and, and for somebody for them to watch and learn from. I can't just talk a game. I got to actually go out and do it. And by doing that and providing an example for them to how to live their lives and something to be proud of, um, that's where it's changed my life. Because before that, you know, I, I the purpose I had at that point was to make money, pay the bills and get things for myself. And now it's more changed to how can I do things to inspire and help other people, including my kids. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating that you shared that. I, I can't necessarily relate to the fatherhood aspect of it just yet, but I will say that for me, the experience has been relatively similar. And that is when I became a lot more intentional with my life and actually started to set the intention for today. I love the question that you have in the background. What are you made of? For me, the question almost every single morning when I wake up, and that is, what would I like to experience? Yeah. What would I like to see differently? What did I learn from yesterday, the week before, the year before that I can improve upon? And I think for me, and I can't really impose that upon anyone else, because I think every single per person has their own story, as well as this is my personal belief. I think everyone should have the ability to live whatever story that they choose. Mm -hmm. Some people like the fancy That's cars. It. Other people don't care about cars. And neither one is right. Neither one is wrong. Both are, I guess, both are right according to the lens that they see it. But the point that I'm making is that similar to your own story <clears throat> with intention, one of the other things that I begin to realize is 
I was able to set intention based on the different roles or identities that I have. So I was able to set intention for my friendships. I was able to set intention for how I show up in my family. I was able to set intention for how I show up in business. And I think that was a big discovery of mine that I finally began to understand in the recent years is that for so many years, I only associated with one title or one role. And then after a while, I started to realize that I'm so much more than that. Talk about limitation, thinking that I'm only this profession when the reality is I'm also a son, I'm also a friend, I'm also this, I'm also that. And that's what it kind of inspired or triggered the thoughts as you were sharing the line between the coach and the father and how even within the concept of fatherhood, there's so many different hats that you wear that you may or may not be aware of on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we go through the motions, right? And so one thing I do is I have a, I have a book I write down things in and it includes business and it includes personal and includes relationships and every single day. I mean, it's chicken scratch, but I can read it. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm intentional about, you know, how much time do I want to make sure I spend individually with my kids? How much time do I want to spend individually with my wife? Because if you don't do that and you just take it by chance and you drift through your day, then you may end up having a situation where you're not paying attention to your kids. You may not be paying attention to your spouse. And then before you know it, those things start to add up. And this is when kids and their parents relationship shatters because the kids have had no attention um, given to them by their parents. So I'm conscious of that. Um, and same thing with the, the spouse, like relationships and um, uh, marriages don't work a lot of times because people aren't intentional about them. They just go about their life. They wake up and they go about their day and then they run into their spouse. They, they're not intentional about, you know, giving them attention and, and compliments and checking in with them and seeing how their day was and if they need anything. And, and, you know, we all go through those phases, like some, some days are better than others, but I'm very intentional with that. And um, I think everybody should take, take note of that. I mean, really, like you said, it's all the different hats. How, how many different hats do you wear? And what do you want to accomplish in each of those hats each day or week? Mm-hmm. Where do you limit yourself today? Uh, as far as limits today, um, consciously, I don't limit myself. Subconsciously, I know that there's probably limitations there that I'm not aware of um, where I'm limiting myself. Because I can tell you what, here's one way. When I accomplish something, I'm like, and it's amazing. I'm like, holy cow, I can't believe that just happened. Now, when I say that, I accomplished something that I set out to do. And why did I even bother doing that if I didn't believe it could happen? So I just told myself <laughs> when it happened that um, I can't believe that just happened. And so what am I telling myself? I'm limiting myself for future endeavors, future accomplishments, or man, that was amazing. I can't believe it. Oh, man. Instead of saying, of course that happened. That's what I set out to do. Absolutely that happened, you know? And so that is something that I noticed that I was working on recently is that when something does happen, accomplishment or what have you, um, I'm more now saying, of course it did. Not to be cocky or conceited, but I'm setting my mind right for the next accomplishment. And I'm, you know, I'm always working on personal development and working on my mind and working on things and, and trying to find where I have blind spots. You know, I have coaches in several different areas and I'm a very spiritual person as well. And I'm working on my spirituality constantly. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating for me to be able to take a step back and observe the language that I use with myself. I do a similar thing. Whenever I achieve something, 
And then right afterwards, I try and catch myself as far as why did I just say that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and being aware of it is, is one of the steps to overcoming it and bettering it. So awareness is very important and assessment of your self-talk is leads to elevation. Mm -hmm. How can people connect with you? And I know that you briefly mentioned a couple of the things that you have, such as the book, the program coming out. Tell us a little bit more about where people can find more information on that. Yeah. So uh, the best place to reach out to me is on social media. Instagram is probably the best way or LinkedIn. You can message me. I answer my messages. Uh, Mikey C-Rock, M-I-K-E-Y-C-R-O-C is the best way. And then the other thing is that, that I'm really excited about is this tech product called Blueprinted. It's an app that's going to help people that know how to do something, share it with the world, and not in a, not in a like I said, a digital video training course, but it's the exact steps how they achieve something. And then it's going to allow other people to go in and search for things that they want to accomplish and find the answers and link up with their mentors, coaches, trainers, consultants, whoever they want to work with. And it's called blueprinted with two O's instead of UE. So it's B L O O printed. And then you can go to blueprinted.com B L O O P R I N T E D blueprinted.com. And you can sign up right now if you want to, to keep up to date. And we're looking for 500 people to be founding members to help us with the beta. And, uh, or if you have any questions on that, reach out to me. One other thing I'll add is we just uh, worked with Grant Cardone, the 10X movement, um, to start a 10X incubator, a tech incubator for people that are non-tech entrepreneurs that have an idea that want to take that idea and actually turn it into a tech company. And I'm really excited about that and working with that team uh, because I have a partner that I, I linked up with Grant and, and Jared Glant, and it's just a phenomenal achievement. That's one of the ones where I was like, wow, that's amazing. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. So, you know, follow us up on, you know, we can uh, hook up on Clubhouse. I'm on Clubhouse as well. So anywhere you need to reach me, you can find me pretty easily. It's Mike C. Rock here. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.